1: Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing COVID travel information and your debt collection rights.
0: Yeah, Joel, this is our Friday episode where we cover uh, a bunch of different topics. Uh, and specifically, we're going to be speaking with Scott Kyes on the second half of this episode. Scott, the founder of Scott's Cheap Flights. He's going to have a lot of great information for us regarding travel, specifically airline travel. And we're going to cover cancellations, you know, flight delays, and the different rights that we have to, to get our money back. So I'm looking forward to that part of this episode. But first, man, I saw that your favorite e-bike company, uh, they are now offering uh, an affordable e-bike for 1000 bucks. Yeah. I, so
1: Rad power bikes. I have a Radwagon. Actually, interesting story. Just sold my Rad, my Radwagon, and I pre-ordered the the new Radwagon, which rad is... Radwagon 4. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got some extra special things happening there. So I'm excited to, to get that in September. But yeah, they just announced this week that they're about to offer a bike that costs less than $1,000. And for an e-bike, that's really incredible. Uh, their, their bikes are already pretty affordable in the $1,500 range. If you're an e-bike enthusiast, obviously a, a regular bike with no... Power is going to be uh, you know a whole lot cheaper than that, or, or a lot of them are. But I've enjoyed my Radwagon for a lot of years. I put like almost twenty eight hundred miles on it. Nice. And uh, the Rad Four, man, I'm looking to to put at least that on that one too. So, uh, <laughs> but I was excited to see that, that people are going to be able to get an, an e bike that looks good that has decent components for a thousand bucks, man. That's not bad. That's it's a really good deal. And I wanted to share one thing that I
0: noticed about. So I saw the different videos and like the promos for the new Radwagon, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. Radwagon Four. They're goofy. Well, specifically, what caught my eye was that in a lot of the footage of people riding the bike, they're literally just riding it. They're not pedaling. and twisting the throttle (laughs) and going. Yep. (laughs) And so as someone, I guess, who's maybe more of like a purist, you know, (laughs) when it comes to bikes... I guess I am happy that more folks are riding bikes, even if it is an e-bike and even if they're only using the throttle and they're not really moving their feet. <laughs> but I think it's just funny that they are specifically targeting those folks. It's like, look, look at all these folks getting around town and they're they're not even pedaling at all. I know that's not how you use your bike. You certainly use it in a more assist manner. Yeah. But folks are treating it more like a little electric scooter uh, and it looks like they're riding a bike, but not really.
1: No, that's honestly, there are a lot of people that have purchased rad bikes in particular and e-bikes in general in our neighborhood and i feel like most of them twist the throttle and go most of them are not pedaling almost at all and no judgment here that's not how i (laughs) like to use it i really like to actually get a workout i like to get exercise when i'm riding that bike and for me it's just like oh it helps up the hills with two kids on the back or whatever um and you know atlanta can be pretty hilly sure but i'm also commuting long distances on it and so that extra little assist helps me show up to work not just a complete sweat bomb yeah (laughs) but yeah no there are a lot of people riding it (laughs) like that and no wonder they would put that in their little commercial because they want people to know that they don't actually have to do any work if they don't want to sure yeah so you said that no
0: judgment passed by you i am trying and working to not pass judgment but also don't neglect any of the, uh, the great companies out there who are, are making non-motorized versions of, of bikes as well and specifically cargo bikes yuba is the company that makes the bike that i have and they came out with this $1,000 version of their cargo bike and so it's this nice affordable baseline sort of addition and you're going to virtually guarantee that you you get a a good workout because there's no motor (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: you're definitely getting a good workout with a cargo bike that has no electric capabilities that's for sure yeah all right man let's get on to our friday flight a sampling of stories that we found interesting this week and Matt, first, let's quickly talk about my lack of being able to find yeast. I got some... Still? <laughs> well, still, yeah. No, I haven't found no any yeast. No okay. No. One kind listener uh, offered to send me some. Uh, she, sent, she sent an email, which was very kind, and a few comments in the Facebook group about where they've been able to find yeast. I'm going to go to Costco or Walmart. A couple people mentioned they found some there. We'll see what happens. Get so, you a 50-pound drum of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another person, too, mentioned going to a local bakery, and that's actually a really good idea that I had not thought about. But there was an article that I read this week on Eater that really kind of drove this this point home the lack of yeast and the increase in people baking king arthur flour whose sales have risen 600 percent apparently answers uh, baking questions of their customers via email and the phone and apparently quoting eater here the hotline has become a magnet for lonely anxious human behavior and lots of questions about sourdough sourdough is like obviously so hot right now right but i just found it neat that the now baking obsessed public has this free place to turn with these specific questions even if they might get a bit emotional at times (laughs) oh
0: what's interesting, too, about this hotline is you don't necessarily have to be a King Arthur Flour customer in order to call that number. And I know this because... Kate, you called? I didn't call, but Kate, Kate's called. She's <laughs> oh, cool. Several years ago, she called and she was following a, a baguette recipe on their site. And it wasn't turning out and she couldn't figure it out. So she gave them a call. She said they were so incredibly kind and patient with her, but they kind of walked through all the steps and you know she was following the recipe to a T. And so they kind of stepped it back even further and they, you know, then they asked her, well, are you, are you using our flour? and she had to admit that she wasn't <laughs> she was just using the cheap maldiflower. flour she didn't just hear a click <laughs> no yeah they stayed on the line with her and they're very kind and patient even still but that's when she learned that different types of flour have are, are, are made differently and you know king arthur flour has like a different amount of protein in it which means it's going to react differently so if you're out there and you're maybe a new struggling baker
1: uh that could make all the difference for you yeah call king arthur i don't know what the number <laughs> is we'll post it in the show notes for sure yeah. <laughs> all right let's get on to the the next interesting topic matt we've talked a lot about the PPP loans that were made available because of the pandemic to help keep businesses afloat, right? We also talked about how to get these loans and the recent changes in forgiveness eligibility. There was also a lot of confusing language, and it wasn't clear what the requirements were going to be. Uh, There were just a lot of moving parts, and it left a lot of business owners pretty confused. Unfortunately, that also meant that a lot of borrowers were reluctant to even tap those loans, which was unfortunate because many of them needed them in times of distress. But fortunately, there was at least a little bit of clarity that we got last week that we felt like we we had to mention on the show today
0: yeah last wednesday the sba released some new forms that greatly simplify the forgiveness application process Uh, and they also included this safe harbor option where business owners can just affirm that they weren't able to operate at the same level as before the pandemic. Sounds like a a much better option than the 11 pages that was supposed to only take three hours to complete. Although I saw in one article, there was an individual that said he spent at least 25 hours trying to navigate all the different checkboxes. And so that was
1: before these forms were released though, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So hopefully it's gotten a lot simpler and people that were daunted by looking at the process of trying to get forgiveness Hopefully, it's a lot simpler now, and they'll be able to, to get forgiveness without having to to spend a whole lot of time. And it should be, from what we can tell, a, a pretty straightforward and simple process now.
0: Yeah, and you know, it wouldn't hurt as well to get in touch with your banker, your bank that you received your PPP loan through, uh, because they're going to know more of the specifics to your individual business uh, a little better. Uh, that way, if you do have any questions, you can ask them, as they'll likely be pretty up to date on the information that's out there. Uh, Joe, let's talk about debt collection as well.
1: My favorite topic, Matt. Yeah.
0: And it seems that debt collectors are a little emboldened right now. Uh, More folks are financially vulnerable. And and so there have been a few anecdotes uh, and news reports that seem to show that some debt collectors are becoming even more pushy and reckless in their collection efforts. And so because of that, if you get contacted by a debt collector, it's really important that you know your rights. Collectors have to follow the rules that are in the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. And we'll link to some FAQs in our show notes uh, that a lot of folks might have when it comes to debt collection.
1: Yeah, Matt. And one particular tactic that debt collectors tend to use, or the shady ones at least at times, are trying to get you to pay even just a small amount towards towards what you owe, towards the debt. And that can actually restart the clock on that debt in make states. So there's something called the statute of limitations. and in, in every state, it's a little bit different in how long the collector has to, to be collecting that debt before they're not allowed to collect on it anymore. And it makes sense that these debt collectors are trying to get you to do that because then it makes it easier for them to sue you for that debt in court. But the CFPB has proposed a rule that consumers should be notified about that debt clock restart. Matt, because I guarantee you 98% of them don't know that that's the case. But that is not a law that's been enacted yet. Sadly, we'll let you know if there's any movement on that but one thing you need to be aware of right now is that you have rights and one right you have is to send that debt collector a letter telling them to stop contacting you if you're being harassed in particular by a debt collector file a complaint with the cfpb and your state attorney general's office Matt, it's kind of hard to read those anecdotes that you mentioned. It's hard to see those stories of people being harassed by debt collectors, and in particular in a pandemic when everybody is suffering at least some hardship. Many people financial and other people mental and financial. I mean, there's just so many hurdles to overcome, and it makes it so much harder with dirty debt collection tactics like piling on top of that.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of dirty, gross debt, man, payday loans—they are probably the worst financial product ever. And recently, they've been getting around Google and Facebook ad bans to reach customers with their absolutely rank offerings of interest rates in the two to five hundred percent range. And these lenders—they prey on the financially vulnerable, of which there are many right now. In particular, they're using SEO, so search engine optimization, to target people who are searching for help, and they're feeding them these quick online loans. There are folks who, who might take those loans, and they're sure that they're going to be able to pay them off, right? Those small loans in just that short period of time. But often, man, it becomes a terrible cycle of bait and switch tactics to go along with that high interest rate. So if you are having a hard financial time right now, make sure to stay away from not only the physical payday lending storefronts, but the online ones as well. Man, there's one near us. And every time I drive by it, I like look over there and glare at it. I want them to feel my disapproval.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of <laughs> shudder when I see them. Yeah, and it is funny. amazing when you open your eyes how many there are around where most of us live and in particular small towns. It can be so tough to go through certain small towns these days. I feel like there's a lot of fast food restaurants and payday lending places. And yeah, those are truly like the worst financial product. And and it does promote, like you said, this sick cycle of debt that's hard to get out of. All right, Matt, let's talk about travel real quick. Before we bring Scott on, we're going to talk to him in just a minute. But cruise lines are voluntarily suspending trips out of US ports until September 15th I'm sure that some people out there maybe are itching to get on a cruise right now, but I'm certainly not one of them. <laughs> and I've actually never been on a cruise before. Oh, but me neither. I, I just can't imagine that demand is high given the current circumstances. But it will be interesting to see what happens to the cruise industry when they do start to resume operations from the United States in the fall. And I think it's probably a smart marketing move and a smart health move to say no cruises until mid-September.
0: Sure. Yeah. Assuming the U.S. can manage COVID-19, there might be deals though in the fall. So if, if you are all about cruises yeah, keep an eye out. And Joel, we're going to talk more about travel and how you should be thinking about it in just a minute with a friend of the show and travel expert, Scott Kyes. We're going to talk with him right after the break.
1: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help.
0: Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto adjust as you get closer to your goal.
1: Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.
2: If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers
1: all right matt we're back from the break we just talked a little bit about the cruise industry and now we're going to talk about travel more broadly and one of our our favorite travel experts to to have on the show we had him on quite a while back but we haven't actually talked to him that was back in our money pro episode days uh, is scott kyes and scott runs the website scott's cheap flights and it's also an email newsletter and it informs people about the best and cheapest places to book travel and so scott thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to join us on the show today thank you guys for having me i'm excited to be here Yeah, Scott, we're glad to have uh,
0: a flights and airfare expert on the show. And, you know, you recently you sent on an email to your newsletter subscribers describing getting a refund on a flight that hasn't yet been canceled, sort of as this like game of chicken. And so what do you mean by that? And and how can our listeners uh, who find themselves in this predicament get their money back?
3: Yeah, great question. So here's the deal. By law, if an airline cancels your flight, you are eligible for a refund, period. Doesn't matter that there's a pandemic. Doesn't matter that they didn't want to. Doesn't matter that they'd really like to keep your money. If they cancel your flight, then you're owed a refund. For a lot of people, this has been a really urgent matter during the pandemic and during uh, uh, over the past few months when the airlines have been doing major surgery to their schedules, canceling flights left and right. But for a lot of folks, they didn't necessarily know that they were eligible for a refund when an airline cancels their flight because the airlines didn't tell them. They tell them, you know, they'll cancel your flight and send you an email. Hey, Matt, hey, Joel, sorry, we just canceled your flight, but here's a, uh, uh, we've already processed a travel voucher for you, click here to accept it. And they don't mention anywhere in it that you can get a refund if you prefer. Now, if you're anything like me, You'd rather get that refund because you can't go down to the grocery store and pay for your food with a $500 American Airlines gift card. You need
0: (laughs) cash to do that. You can't buy craft beer with a voucher. You
3: can't (laughs) buy craft beer with an airlines gift card. And so uh, it's really important to know your rights and to be able to take advantage of them because the airlines aren't necessarily gonna tell you about it. And so this is why I liken it to a game of chicken. If you have a flight booked, even if you've decided, I'm not taking that trip, I don't feel safe or comfortable right now, it still makes sense to hold off as long as possible to cancel it. Because uh, if the airline winds up canceling the flight that you're on, or if they make a significant schedule change, let's say they switch it from a nonstop to a connecting flight, or they change it by at least a couple hours, If uh, they cancel or make a significant schedule change then they owe you a refund whereas if you're the one who cancels you're only gonna get a travel voucher so this is why I liken it to a game of chicken whichever party blinks first loses
1: (laughs) so so is it a matter of when you are offered a travel voucher sticking up for yourself and saying no 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 I know I'm eligible for a refund and you need to you need to make that happen Uh, because you know you you might not always get offered that (laughs) immediately from the airlines. So yeah, is it just a matter of telling them that you know what you're eligible to receive? Unfortunately, yes.
3: Uh, it is oftentimes a matter of, of showing them that you know your rights, mentioning it. Sometimes, you know, most of the time it's pretty simple. You can call up the airline and they'll tell you, uh, yeah, you know, we can see we canceled your flight. Therefore, we're going to process a refund. The, I would say in maybe 10 to 20% of cases, they might put up a fight, um, whether because that is, uh, you've got an agent who might be misinformed about the law or whether that's because the airline itself, the executives have decided they're just going to flout the law, which is frankly mm. uh, uh, shameful and, and and disgusting in my book. But yeah. uh, there are a number of airlines, especially around the world, less so U.S. airlines these days, but airlines like Air Canada. Uh, TAP, uh, a Portuguese airline, a couple in Mexico, Volaris and Interjet that have been really just just dragging their heels, throwing up roadblocks whenever they can to try to uh, avoid giving customers the refunds that they're legally owed. And so in those situations, if you've called a couple times and they're still just saying, no, no, we're not giving you a refund, even though you're legally owed one, You've got two other uh, uh, options at your fingertips. Step one, you can file a complaint with the Department of Transportation. Now you might be thinking, "Ah, oh, file a complaint, that sounds like just kind of spitting in the wind, doesn't actually do anything. Well, in this case, actually, the Department of Transportation, what they do is that they'll take your complaint and they immediately forward it to the airline. And they're like, airline, you need to rectify this situation promptly. And we're watching, you know, and and, and they're kind of keeping tabs on the airlines and threatening enforcement. Action! If the airlines don't comply, uh, I've had a You know, I've seen tons and tons of different of SkySafe Flights members who have said that they uh were denied a refund until they filed that complaint and then the airline you know got it together and gave them the refund if that doesn't work the last option you've got at your fingertips is to dispute the charge on your credit card uh every credit card every bank guarantees you that if you pay for something with their credit card and you don't receive what you paid for like let's say you booked a flight and they canceled the flight uh that you can get your money back, you know that they're not going to, to hold you to that. And so, if the airline won't process a refund, you can dispute the charge. the air The bank will reimburse you, and then they'll go fight the with the airlines to try to get the money back for themselves. So it's a nice way to make it your credit card's problem rather than your problem.
0: Right? Yeah. Another great reason to not pay for your your plane tickets in cash. However, it is that you're supposed to do well, that. Bitcoin, you don't want to do <laughs> <Yes>. that either.
1: <laughs> and, and
3: and also trying to avoid paying with it uh, with debit cards. Credit sure, cards yeah, have stronger protections along these lines. And so, if you have a credit card, good idea to pay to use that to pay for your flights.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about cancellations. What about just like massive delays? Right. Like a lot of flights are are just being rescheduled. And so, like, what rights do passengers have? who have had their travel times change, you know, significantly where it massively alters their their itinerary, you know, including hotel stays and and like connecting flights as well.
3: Right. So the Department of Transportation, again, this is federal law, says that if an airline uh, makes a significant schedule change to your itinerary, that also makes you eligible for a refund. Now, what's Frustrating is that they didn't spell out exactly what is a significant schedule change. They they leave that up mm. to each individual airline, but each <laughs> so each individual airline actually has this in their what's called their contract of carriage. Essentially, the fine print. You know, I agree to these terms and conditions when you when you uh, uh, hit purchase on a flight. Uh, most airlines, it is. Uh, 2 hours. So they'll say if you okay. change your uh, flight times by more than 2 hours, then you're eligible for a refund. What was interesting, United Airlines tried to really get away with some stuff during the pandemic where before the pandemic their their um their policy was 2 hours. But during the pandemic all of a sudden they quietly tried to shift it to 25 hours. Wow saying like, <laughs> oh yeah we can change your flight by an entire day 24 hours and we would not consider that a significant schedule change and thus uh, eligible for a refund At, you know people understandably had a, uh, a, a a way with them on on social media. there's a big big uh, dust up about it and what was funny was the department of transportation actually ended up essentially subtweeting united airlines in a memorandum that they put out saying that airlines cannot retroactively change their wow. policies on significant schedule changes they can't you know try to like whatever the policy was when you booked is the policy that you're owed they can't retroactively apply this new 25 hour right. policy well united airlines had a lot be. of pressure right exactly it's common sense. And so anyway, they backed down. They said, okay, we'll go back to the two-hour policy, thankfully. But um, yeah, in general, two hours, you should nice. be good for a refund.
0: I thought you were going to say that they kind of quietly went in there and trying to try to change hours to like uh, weeks. <laughs> oh, it's just two weeks. So I'm, sorry, oh, yeah. I'm sorry.
3: Oh, did you think hours? No, I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: That'd be even worse, right? Uh, it, it, Scott, too, we've seen some, some kind of interesting things happen in travel insurance uh, during the pandemic, right? A, a lot of Policies don't seem to be covering people as well as they would have hoped. So, what guidance can you offer people who are booking travel about how they should go about thinking about and then buying travel insurance right now mm. uh, when, when they're when they're uh, going on a trip? Really
3: good question, and I'm going to try to simplify this as much as possible because I have I have a lot of thoughts on travel insurance. Um, the first thing that I recommend people is know what protections you already have. Um, Many people don't realize how much they are already covered without having to spend a single dime. Um, when you purchase a ticket from an airline, they already make certain guarantees that and they will give you forms of compensation if they break those guarantees. So if there's, you know, you book a flight and there's a huge uh, delay or a cancellation that that's not like weather related, you know, that's a mechanical issue or something or their computer system went down. You can ask for compensation. They'll typically give it to you as a result. If they lose your bags or damage your bags or or, you know, they're delayed, you can ask for compensation they'll typically give it to you. So not only are you, do you have certain protections already from the airline, you also have certain protections through your credit card that you book with. Now these are gonna vary credit card to credit card, but um, in general, many of them will give you similar protections as well. Where if there's a big delay or cancellation on your flight, you can get uh, uh, money for that. If your bags get messed up, if there are other sorts of issues, even if you need things like you know a medical evacuation or stuff like that, some airline, some credit cards will cover that. And so knowing what you're already protected for, so that you're not buying something that's superfluous, I think mm-hmm. is really really important but then it's also if you're really kind of gung-ho on buying insurance making sure you're really clear on what it is that you're purchasing um many people kind of will just click yes on the travel insurance page when you're booking their flight because they're thinking about it almost philosophically they're thinking about it in moral (laughs) terms like oh i want to be protected you know i want right. to i want to watch my downside i want to make sure that that i don't lose everything so i'm going to click yes not realizing that they can't just this doesn't make them eligible to just cancel their flight and get a yeah, refund you can't claim
0: Anything. Yeah.
3: Exactly, exactly. Like So much of the fine print is there to deny uh, giving you claims. And the time that most people realize this is when they're trying to collect on a claim, not yeah. when they're making the purchase. And obviously, by that time, it's too late. you know, A lot of people learned this really, unfortunately, firsthand when the pandemic first hit before the airlines loosened up their refund policies. And they realized that the insurance that they had bought did not let them just cancel uh, their tickets or change the dates and get compensation for that. It you, They would have had to buy a much more expensive form of insurance called cancel for any reason insurance and so ah oh man i hate saying like oh just read the fine print because look i almost never read the fine print i'm, I'm, I'm a normal person now yeah but with something like travel insurance if you really if 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 all you're trying to do is kind of assuage your 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 guilt or uh, feel better about it you know understand what that is, then you're paying 20, 30 bucks to just kind of feel better. But if you really wanna make sure that you would be protected and insured, it really does make sense to, to read the fine print and contrast that with the protections you already have from the airline and the credit
1: card you used. I think it's also important to mention too, Scott, that you can buy travel insurance from websites that aren't the airline website, right? You can mm. go out there on the open market and shop travel insurance. You can often get a better deal. You can get better coverage for a lower price, all that kind of stuff. So you're not subject to just buying it on the checkout screen of American Airlines or wherever you're getting your, your airline ticket from.
3: Yes, and, and and shopping around like that is almost certainly gonna get you a better deal. I mean, if you think about it, if the default option when you buy a, a, a you flight know, Flight from American or Delta or wherever, the default option they show you is almost certainly not going to be as good or as valuable as if you shopped around for it. So that's a really good point.
0: Nice. So, so Scott, let's let's ask maybe an obvious uh, question. You know, let's kind of zoom out a little bit here. Mm. Like, do you feel comfortable at this point in time traveling? Right? Like, like do you feel comfortable getting on a plane and, and going somewhere if it wasn't necessary?
3: I personally would feel comfortable getting on an airplane right now, and the reason why is that airplanes are not as dangerous as we might think they are, that they don't tend to be vectors of disease. They don't tend to be hotspots of transmission. They don't tend to be kind of super spreading events. And that's not me talking. that's uh, epidemiologist Dr. Joseph Allen from Harvard, uh, you know Harvard trained uh, professor who really studies kind of air quality in airplanes talking about this in the Washington Post and elsewhere that look, Millions and millions of people have flown on airplanes since February, since March when the pandemic began. If airplanes were super spreading events, if there were you know tons and tons of people getting sick on them in these big clusters, we would know about it by now. The fact that, uh, is that there's only been one instance that we've identified where multiple people on an airplane came down with coronavirus. Now you might be asking, well, why is that? You know, it seems so like such a an, an obvious place for disease transmission. You've got a lot of people in a kind of confined space. It's not outdoors. The reason why, and this is why I would personally be comfortable on a plane, is that contra the sort of idea that, oh, it's all recycled air on board. It's all recirculating. There is a lot of fresh air when you're up at 30,000 feet. It, 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 it kind of boggles the mind, but, and this is something that you, we didn't really need to Think about before all of a sudden the air quality on planes became paramount. But it's true that the airline airplanes are sucking up fresh air from the outside uh, through the like a complex series of vents and hoses, where essentially they're continuously throughout the flight bringing fresh air, fresh oxygen in from the outside. Uh, obviously, we need fresh air, fresh oxygen to. Breathe, so that, obviously, uh, that helps. <laughs> kind of makes a lot of sense. But it's not just too that the air that's on board is the exact same air that was there at takeoff. There are um, these really kind of powerful hospital-grade air filters on board called HEPA filters that are continuously cycling the air to to clear out. I think it's since like ninety-nine point nine seven percent of. Particles on board. I, I, I say all this not to be like Pollyannish. Oh, you know, nobody could ever get sick on an airplane. Like, yes, if somebody is sitting next to you and uh, has coronavirus and they sneeze, like, I would not want to be in that situation. A, the, a HEPA grade air filter and fresh air from the outside is probably not going to protect you in that situation. But yeah. if somebody is sneezes, you know, 20 rows back... I'm not sitting there worried like, oh, the entire plane is going to get hmm. sick because of all these sorts of protections that are on board. Add on that the fact that you know everybody is wearing masks now, or, or should be. Most people are wearing masks, which is really helpful. They, say, they think it might cut down on transmission as much as 10x. All of those factors are reasons why planes haven't been the super spreading events that we might have anticipated, given that it's indoors, given it's a lot of people in confined spaces and that you can't really have social distancing per se. I think it's important to know the 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 science here if it's if helpful and comforting, but at the end of the day, vacation should be fun. Like it should right. be it, 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 like something enjoyable, not something that's stressful. And so if you're gonna be, if 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 you know like, oh, I'm just gonna be really worried, I'm gonna be stressed out and I'm gonna be not enjoying myself, that doesn't sound like a very fun vacation to me. Like I think, I don't think that's something that you should feel like you have to do. I think you should uh, do it when you feel comfortable and, and 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 able to to do so without feeling like you're putting your life at risk to get on that plane
1: All right, well that answer makes me feel less bad about the last question i want to ask you <laughs> <laughs> uh so let's say hypothetical here somebody had a 10-year anniversary coming up in october okay and right. and and they uh they a hypothetical, not,
3: congratulations
1: yeah oh thank you very much to the hypothetical person uh, <laughs> so like where where have you been seeing great deals recently and yeah is there any place that you would be like man, in October, you should totally go there.
3: Uh, that is an excellent, excellent question. Now, presumably this person may be flying out of somewhere like Atlanta. Yeah, should there's we, a good likelihood. a major airport there <laughs> yeah. probably. Yeah. All right. So uh, we I'll tell you one place where we have been seeing uh, some really surprisingly great deals lately, and that has been uh, Japan. Japan Ooh. typically one of the most expensive places to fly to in the U.S. because it's so popular. Like it's an amazing, I mean, for for good reason. I it's one of my favorite countries in the world to visit, uh, alongside Mexico. And normally flights, especially from Atlanta to Japan, can be you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars. Uh, we found it last week for five hundred forty-five bucks round trip, including in October.
1: Well, that's uh, pretty good.
3: Yeah, over to 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 Tokyo. So that's one of the places that definitely kind of springs to mind if you're looking to say somewhere uh, maybe a little bit closer to home i'll be honest some of the best deals that have been popping up lately have been domestic deals because that's where there's been the most Capacity. That's where they've been the most planes flying. So uh, a, a few recent deals that we found on full service airlines, including in uh, sort of the fall Atlanta nonstop to Philadelphia or Chicago for 51 bucks round trip. Again, this is not on Spirit. This is not on Frontier. This is on full service airlines or even to somewhere uh, uh, like um, L.A. for 99 bucks nonstop round trip. So those wow. are the places that, you know, look, if I was going to take my wife on an on a, on a, uh, anniversary trip this October, first might be thinking Japan. But if we're looking to stay somewhere a little closer to home, Chicago or L.A. would be my choices.
1: Sweet, man. Well, those are good tips. So
0: I might take those into consideration. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Scott, like where else can folks go to learn about some affordable flights? Yeah, we are working out of scottscheapflights.com. There's
3: no apostrophe, no dashes, no underscores, just scottscheapflights.com. Look, we're searching for cheap flights all day, every day. And when we find them, we don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want to be able to share it with folks and help them be able to travel for way less than they Anticipated. And so, you know, if you're interested in getting cheap flights emailed directly to you out of your home airport, we'd love for you to sign up. We'd be, it'd be an honor to send you those deals.
1: Scott, thank you so much for all the information and uh, and for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Joel, this has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks again, man. And Joel, man,
0: how great is it to to have Scott on again? You know, someone who's an expert within this industry who knows airfare, who knows flights and what's going on uh, day in and day out. So I'm glad that we're able to have Scott on to share some of his knowledge, some of his wisdom uh, with our listeners. Yeah, Scott
1: is an airfare nerd, kind of like on the level that we're money nerds. (laughs) So I appreciate uh, his advice and his wisdom. And hopefully that helps our listeners who are thinking about future travel, who are thinking about travel that they currently have booked. Hopefully that was helpful in how you make decisions decisions and in how you approach the airlines when you're looking for a refund. So Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. If anybody wants show notes for this episode, just go to our website at howtomoney.com. And it's always helpful
0: to the show if you were to leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't done that already, we would appreciate a solid review. So Joel, that's going to be it, buddy. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.